Welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This week's episode is going to answer the questions, what is the Employee Experience Index? Why does it matter? And then what can companies do with it? This is Jenny Wise, joined by Sam Stern. Hi, Sam. Hi, Jenny. And we also have with us on the phone, David Johnson, a principal analyst who covers employee experience and workforce productivity. Hi, David. Hi, guys. And Sam will be joining David today in the hot seat. (laughs) I'll be talking with them about some new research that they've done, which is actually a new data resource and benchmark, really. So with that, what is this index and why was it developed? It's the result of a survey that we fielded two years in a row before we've even published anything on it to about 16,000 people in the global workforce, mostly information workers. The result is an analysis tool that you can use or a measurement tool to better understand uh, the factors that most strongly predict employee engagement. The idea was that as I was talking to clients responsible for employee-facing technology or workforce-facing technology, they all had really good questions about technology policy, which technologies to choose and we'd get to the end of the call and if there's a little time left over, I could say, well, so you've got responsibility for the productivity of 100,000 people or 10,000 people because it's almost always large companies, right? They'd say, yeah, I'd say that's accurate. I'd say, okay, tell me what you know about how your decisions are going to affect their engagement or motivation or performance, things like that. We'd say, I don't know. (laughs) There was a gap, right? There was a gap of knowledge and and once we would explain some of the background on this, they'd say, okay, I get it, but I don't know what to do about it, right? I don't know how to change things here at my company. I, I hear you I understand what you're saying, but I don't know how to change it. And that's when we realized that data was really needed to help people make the case for better employee experience, better technologies, and so on. And that's how this really began. That was when I started sort of collaborating with Dave. He had been working, sort of incubating this idea about a better way of measuring the employee experience. And from the customer experience side, we heard, I would say, a similar challenge expressed by a very different client in a different way, Mm -hmm. but the idea of we just don't have insight into what is happening at the individual employee level to know what it's like for them to try and deliver our customer experience. Now, of course, they were focused on just the customer experience side of this equation, as a CX team would be, but it was often that same sort of lack of knowledge of, you know, as Dave was expressing, the people responsible for the workforce facing technology didn't know how, you know, the workforce felt about it. And the customer experience team responsible for the outcomes that the employees deliver to the customers, Mm -hmm. just had no insight into how those employees were doing their work and just were dying for more information in that area. So this really did seem like a response to the needs of those two sets of very important Forrester clients, customer experience execs and technology execs who are responsible for workforce technology. It sounds like that was definitely a gap. I know that we've spoken about this before when just talking about organizations and journey mapping and do you understand what the customer is doing, what's sort of happening under this iceberg. But it's also interesting that there was this just apparent gap in understanding how employees were going to do their jobs and be able to execute and the impact of certain decisions on the employee's motivations, right? And these other factors too. So that's what this looks to solve. Can you give a glimpse into what are some of the factors or questions that are being asked in this survey that really get to the heart of that employee experience. The thing that really sets this survey apart is we wanted it to be very diagnostic in nature. If you look at most engagement surveys, for example, they are focused on a handful of very high-level things and very important things. Right? Nobody would argue that they're not important. It's just that they don't really give people a lot of detail about what to do. Right? And so the kinds of questions that we asked were things like asking them, first of all, it starts with what an engaged employee looks like, which is something that you know people can describe for themselves pretty well, Right? asking questions about how satisfied are you with your job, things like that. Those are very easy for people to be able to describe for themselves. And then we also asked a whole bunch of questions 
questions about how strongly do you agree or disagree with the following, right? Like your manager lives your company's values or that you feel like you have a lot of autonomy in the work that you do, that you've been recognized recently, or that you believe that your IT department does a good job of providing an environment where you can be productive. We asked a lot of those kinds of things for them to be able to estimate, and they're the kinds of questions that they can really estimate pretty directly themselves from their own experience. We're not asking them to speculate. And that allows us to start with what an engaged employee and then work backwards to see which factors most strongly predict engaged employees. And that's a new insight. And it's part of what sets it apart from most engagement surveys. And what we're really looking at was trying to get down to the level of their daily experience. Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction that Dave draws there at the end in particular, which is this is not, you know, in a general sense, okay, what was it like, you know, when you got here on your first day or, you know, Mm -hmm. when you found out about your benefits or when you went through that training, but every day when you come into work, what is it like? You know, do you have enough clarity around your job, enough autonomy to figure out how to do your job, people around you who model the right behaviors, a belief in and connection to the larger values and mission of the firm. All of that is informed by your daily work experience. Can I get work done? Am I supported in that by the people and the systems that I interact with? Yes or no. And summing that up day after day, week after week, determines how engaged employees are. If by and large, they feel like they're making progress, they're productive, they're with a group of people who help them Mm -hmm. achieve both of those outcomes, then they're going to feel good about the company. They're going to want to stay. They're going to want to promote it. They're going to report that they can be productive. They're going to do all the things that you think of an engaged employee doing. And as Dave said, this is just much more detail at the diagnostic level of what were the underlying factors that made them engage in the first place. Dave speaks about this very eloquently, so maybe he can talk about this a bit more now, but the idea of how is the daily work experience? How does that feel to the individual Mm -hmm. employee? That's what you really need to understand to know whether they're more or less likely to be engaged. I was thinking of survey design in general, right, as you were talking here. And often when you talk about an individual's experience or customer feedback, it's about one very specific touch point, right, or one point in time and something went wrong. And so now they're in a bad mood and that's what you hear about. Whereas this, it sounds like focuses more on someone reporting on their direct experience, which can be valid, right, as opposed to sort of a a long (laughs) look back perception. And it is about sort of the overall culture and empowerment day to day as opposed to one specific problem or part of the organization. Is that right? So that it's really trying to understand Mm -hmm. at a cultural level and empowerment level what's happening. That's accurate. (laughs) I think as humans, we have an exception bias, right? We're always looking for the exceptions for the things that are the problems. It's a little more powerful, I think, to look at the things that are going right. They're the strongest predictors of engagement. And then then also look at the things that are maybe in the way, right? What are the things that are contributing to burnout? It's really both. And we also started with a perspective based in research that's been done in organizational behavior and psychology in just the last few years that's different than a lot of the basis for this type of stuff before. And one of my favorite analogies for this is it's like a drunkard looking for his keys under the street lamp because that's what the light is, right? But the keys are yeah. under the car. Okay. <laughs> you got to be looking in the right yeah. place. Most surveys in this area aren't. And our, our premise here was that there's a lot of scientific research now around what really engages people, what makes them happy and engaged and motivated at work. And it's not what everybody thinks it is. Typically, the people will say it's recognition or paper performance or important work. And it's not that those things aren't important. Of course they are. It's just that they're not the most important. It turns out the most important is able to make progress every day toward the work that they believe is most important. And then that builds on itself. And so that's the premise that we also started with with this survey. There's a bit of a balance here, Jenny, that you were getting at in your question. We are asking them to consider, you know, their sort of the totality of their work experience rather than comment on the last time you had to use this system Mm -hmm. or do this thing at work. But it is, you know, through the lens of 
what's it like to work in your job at your company for you? So it's not thinking of the last time you worked at that company because it was probably yesterday or today, mm-hmm. when, depending on when you're taking the survey. So it is a current moment snapshot. So it can certainly be uh, biased or colored by, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe they just didn't <laughs> yeah. get the promotion they want, of course. But um, also it's something that they can reflect on almost immediately. How are they feeling about their work experience right then and there? When I heard the employee experience index, I, of course, thought about the customer experience index. And for those listening, you've probably heard us talk about this before. If you haven't, what it does is it indexes customers' perceptions of their experiences with brands. And it has similar questions that you break down, but it boils into three core tenants, ease, effectiveness, and emotion. And so I'm curious now, thinking about the employee experience index, are there other ways that this is similar to or differs from the customer experience index model. The relationship that customers have with companies that they do business with is very, very different than the relationship that employees have with the organizations that they work for. Emotion is certainly a strong component, but you can imagine that an interaction with a company you do business with is something that may happen daily, maybe once a day, or it may happen once a year. It's usually transactional in nature, whereas employees working in an organization, this is all day, every day. They're taking away most of the time, right? They're taking away time from their families, from things that they may rather be doing. They're a whole bunch of other psychological factors that come into play in the employee realm than there are in the customer realm. And so that's why we architected this instrument very differently. It's still different in, in the mechanism because the nature of the relationship is different. It's similar in that it provides us three things, right, that we can derive from it, and that is uh, enablement, empowerment, and inspiration. If I look at the things that fit in the empowerment bucket, things like a lot of autonomy, right? Their freedom to decide how best to do the work that they do every day, opportunities to advance, recognition, clarity as well, right? Understanding the clarity of what's expected of them and also having an environment where they feel like they can be productive, believe their contributions are important, they understand the importance of the work that they do. So those are the kinds of things that fit in empowerment. Under Inspire, there are things like a manager who lives the company's values and a belief in the core mission and values of the company, believe that their company is forward-looking and innovative and that they operate as for example. So those are just some things that kind of fit in the Inspire bucket. And by the way, we tested for about 100 factors, and we ended up with about 18 that we pulled out that really most strongly predicted. And that's kind of what I'm alluding to here. But the third bucket, enablement, was where the technology angle really came out. We didn't necessarily expect that. We thought that could happen, but it would surprise us even how strongly it came out. But the biggest factor in the enablement bucket was that they believe that their IT department does a good job of providing an environment where they can be productive or that they can easily access the information that they need. This makes sense. If if we agree and understand that being able to make daily progress is the most important factor in engagement, and indeed it is, these kinds of factors start to make sense. Being able to quickly find task-critical information is vital for being able to stay focused in knowledge work, and people just haven't looked at it through this lens before. And so when I'm thinking about these tenants or all of the questions, in some way this is an index, a benchmark of how you're doing. Is there a certain tipping point where you know you're doing okay or good or excellent? There isn't really a tipping point per se. We know that on average, globally, right? The single score roll-up for the Employee Experience Index for the whole world is 67, but that's not necessarily meaningful in and of itself. Uh, what matters is how an organization is doing against this as a benchmark, so you know, organizations can benchmark themselves in this way. We can help them do that. And then also, what are the factors that maybe are not as strong as they should be in their organizations that they could bring out more to enhance employee engagement more so? But there isn't really a tipping point exactly. Yeah, and I would add to what Dave said that the factors that we found 
in the empowered, inspired, and enabled buckets. Some of them are more strongly predictive of different types of employee experience outcomes that you would want. So the data is there. You can sort of gauge what some problems are. Are there sort of a set of questions that you start to ask to understand what to do next? So in the report, we have a checklist for companies to use that to your question, Jenny, once you understand your scores, and I would, I would certainly want to administer the, the questions first of employees, but alongside of that, if you are responsible for your employee experience efforts, or if you're an interested party, one of our CX team listeners or a technology exec responsible for some parts of it, this, I would very much want to complete the checklist as well, give myself a sense for what are we doing in these different areas that might be contributing to better or worse scores on those different factors. And so there's questions around, you know, have we provided the training for the technology that we expect employees to use or not? And they're very simple. By no means is that going to give you all the answers, but it does start to point to, okay, if we see a deficit in this area and we haven't communicated our values in a while, or we don't have a mechanism to get feedback from employees to senior management, we can't be surprised if we're scoring poorly on that factor. And that's an area where we can go target a specific program or initiative to. It really is a mosaic of things, Sam. I think to your point, it's a mosaic of things that usually will contribute to this. It's usually not one thing. It's usually a multiple of things. I think that's a really important point. We are trying to avoid, and by having the 18 factors and all the different ways to look at the data, probably a human instinct to, to to look for a silver bullet, right? One thing that mm-hmm. can fix everything. It certainly will not be that. And I think in part it's because employees want to see that you're empowering them, you're giving you know them more clarity, you're giving them more freedom, but also that who they work with, who they work for, the company itself is just a good place to be and that there's sort of a system around them that makes it more likely that they can be really successful, make progress in their important work. And so there's no one thing that can do that, right? You have to do a bunch of things so that employees believe we're all moving together. We commonly have conversations with clients along the lines of, you know, we already do an engagement survey today to improve our manager development training and so on. And, you know, my answer to that is good that you're doing an engagement survey today, but chances are that survey is really not capturing what you need. You're really not doing anything that's diagnostic in nature, and you're certainly not doing anything that's going to get down to the level of people's daily experiences. You may have great manager development and training, but yet every single day people cannot find the information that they need, therefore they can't get their work done, therefore they're frustrated. You know, this is also the type of survey that you don't have to necessarily take it in whole. If you are doing an engagement survey already, we can coach you in which questions to add to your existing survey to get a better result. It is a really important value add for a company to add these questions into probably their existing engagement survey. The vast majority of companies have one. And that's where Dave and I have been having conversations with clients recently is about which questions might they need to add, which ones in their existing survey are already covering some of the the bases we want to cover with the index because you will then be able to compare to that mythical overall number of 67 that Dave said, but you can also Mm -hmm. compare by industry. We have it at the industry level, by geography, by department or seniority within the organization. So we can cut the general data in a number of ways that I think would be helpful to individual companies once they have their own data back. So you just mentioned that you have some sort of cuts of this data looking at different populations. Are there any interesting findings that came out? Yes. <laughs> One thing that was really clear to us was that the higher the seniority in the organization, the better the employee experience. So yeah, like, yeah. Boy, the employee experience is great here. I don't know what everybody's complaining about. <laughs> And it's a significant difference. And Dave, you're raising such an important point because I think it actually is strongly suggestive of, you know, a really understandable blind spot for those executives where, you know, Mm -hmm. they're given special devices that actually work. They're given all the support they need. You know, they're unburdened from having to follow a bad process in many 
instances. So they do have a good employee experience. They're saying, well, what's the problem here? Another finding in the data cuts that was sort of encouraging to us that we were on the right dimensions, that government was the lowest ranked industry. And we collected this data well before the government shutdown. It matched my expectation that government workers would feel like their employee experience was not great. So that was a finding where, okay, if that's the lowest ranked industry, we we think the data are directionally accurate here. And the real danger that I see in the industry right now is that so much of what is a hindrance to people's daily working lives is technology related, first of all, but second of all, it's practically invisible to anybody else. They're encountering issues, they run into a problem, they're not able to find what they need, they're logging in five times a day. That really doesn't show up in a report anywhere. And um, it's something that is significant and material to their ability to be productive and to do what their organization is asking them to do, but yet there's really no metrics on it. And we've talked to companies where this is a problem, a serious problem, where people are leaving the organization because it is too hard to get work done there. Mm-hmm. And the exit interviews are all saying the same kinds of things, that it's just too difficult. You've got everything locked down to the point where we have no flexibility, there's no trust, and it's frustrating. And so mm-hmm. we're not going to work here anymore. And, you know, you find smaller companies are, the employee experience tends to be higher, generally because there's a lot more autonomy. There's a lot more freedom granted to people than there is in in larger companies where you have a lot of policy and a lot of bureaucracy and so on. It's too bad if there are people there who want to do well and want to be good employees and want to create good experiences, um, but aren't able to. So this data can help to shine a light on this. Well, David and Sam, thank you so much. This is really interesting. I'm glad that we have this. I look forward to looking (laughs) through some of these differences that you mentioned here. And thanks, Sam and David. Bye for now. Glad you could join us for this week's episode of CX Cast. If you want to learn more about this week's topic, check out the notes section of the episode for some links to relevant research. And as always, you can email us at cxcast at forester.com with any questions or topic ideas for future episodes. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.